This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. As you've been hearing on WBEZ, a six-year-old Palestinian-American boy is dead and his mother in critical condition after their landlord entered their apartment and stabbed them. This happened in southwest suburban Plainfield this weekend. Investigators say the family was targeted because they're Muslim and that the war between Israel and Hamas was a motivating factor. Ahmed Rahab is the executive director of the Chicago office of the Council of American Islamic Relations, or CARE. That's the nation's largest Muslim civil rights organization. He's joining us now to give us details. Welcome to the program. Thank you, and thank you for having me. This is very heavy, Ahmed. Thank you for making the time. Um, I know you're getting ready to uh, attend the funeral, right? Yes, I am, yes. When did you learn about this? Yeah, Um, very difficult. I learned about it Saturday um, and, um, you know, late at night. We're trying to figure out what was going on. And then Sunday we got to work when we figured out what was going on. What went through uh, your mind when when it first hit you? It's our worst nightmare come to fruition. You know, ironically, we had sent out a press release a few days before warning about the atmosphere that was being created and the potential for uh, dehumanization of individuals. You know, we've seen this before. I've lived through this. I grew up in this in this post-9-11 world where uh, Muslims were easy pickings, uh, statements by officials, and the nature of media coverage set us up as sitting ducks. Um, and we're seeing it again. We're yeah. seeing it again. I never imagined this would would happen when I sent out this release. This is the worst case scenario. Yeah, I was I was quite shocked, quite shocked when I saw your release as as well. Tell us about the little boy Wadia Al Fayumi, as well as his mother Hanan Shaheen. They lived together in the ground um, floor unit of a house um, that they were renting the space from from this individual. They never had any issues with him. Um, you know, they lived together as each other's world. Um, she, he was her everything. She was his everything. Um, he was a lovely boy who, you know, loved to play with Legos and loved soccer and basketball and coloring and swinging around. Um, he just celebrated his birthday this month, earlier this month, October 6th, his sixth birthday. Mm. And, um, she, I just, you know, my heart goes out to her the most. I mean, I feel for the father, for the family, for the community, for the public, but this poor woman, I mean, she, in addition to her injuries, and they're, they're severe, I mean, in the abdomen, in the chest, in the face, she was stabbed all over. Um, she has the mental trauma of having witnessed what happened to her and to her son, having seen her son's body stabbed 26 times. The knife, the 12-inch knife, still in his body as he was taken for an autopsy in the ambulance. And then on top of it, being alone in that hospital room, not having the benefit of the warmth of the community embrace as other family members may, might have today. Yeah. What a sight that must have been for her and just an ordeal as she's going through her own pain. Uh, how is she doing now? I mean, you, you just talked about, of course, the, the mental ramification of this, but is she expected to recover? We're hoping that that is the case. Um, these are severe injuries, but there is a road to recovery, and we're, we're being prayerful and, and hopeful. Um, matters are complicated somewhat by, you know, the, the sheriff's security detail uh, not really allowing access to her at the moment, and we're hoping to be able to um, get through that to provide her with emotional support uh, from professionals that can be with her at this moment, yeah. or family members, and or family members and friends. Who's the accused killer? 
What are detectives it's, saying? They're saying it's the landlord, 71-year-old Joseph Juba. Um, he is the person they were renting this space from. And when I spoke to the father, he said there hadn't been any previous issues or red flags and that this came out of nowhere. He started to change his attitude as he you know, started you know, engrossing himself in the current media cycle about what was happening um, in Israel and, and in Gaza. Um, and he started to be angry and nervous. And then when he attacked them, um, he was yelling, you Muslims need to die. And that's what mm. brought the hate crime charges into it is the, the motive of hatred of Muslims, Palestinians. And my question is, you know, the question that we were always asked who radicalized him? You know, he's an individual that, you know, probably wasn't all there because you don't you don't do something like this if you're a normal person, obviously. But still, you know, he was someone that dealt with them in, in a normal fashion. He had, according to the father, built a, um, a treehouse for the kid in the backyard. Uh, but this person flipped. This person was brainwashed and this person saw red. And, you know, can you imagine the rage and stabbing a six-year-old defenseless child 26 times? I, I cannot imagine that at all, at all. And to your point, right, uh, he's being charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, and two, co two counts of a hate crime. Correct. The U.S. Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland opened up that hate crime investigation. What, what do you think about that part? What's your reaction to that? You know, I think, fine. I mean, if there needs to be more investigations, uh, let them be. Um, I think what's important is that we we learn what we can from this. I mean, we're not going to bring this this child back. We're not going to be able to close the gaping hole in, in, in the lives of his parents. But if there's a silver lining in this very dark cloud, let it be that we learn to move away from this atmosphere of, of, of hate-mongering and scare-mongering. Uh, I understand that certain populations don't have much political capital in this country, but that doesn't mean we should just go all out and dehumanizing them, erasing them, either through statements of assertion or by omission. You know, there's been, in terms of the statements of assertion, things like human animals, as quoted verbatim from the Defense Minister of Israel, and a lot of the various you know, statements that were made here by public officials um, sort of took them as that, took Palestinians and Gazans as that, mm -hmm. human animals whose lives don't matter. We're talking about, you know, 2,250 civilians butchered in the last, you know, few days, uh, 750 of whom are, are children. The majority population of Gaza are children. And, you know, when this happens in a terrorist attack, I think it's quite easy for everyone to um, be in a moral outrage, but when it happens at the hands of a seemingly civilized, you know, state and army, suddenly it's A-OK, -okay and our government doesn't only not condemn it, but actually blesses it and supports it and gives material support in the order of $8 billion and, you know, warships and um, moral blessings. It's just, it's, it's really frustrating and hurtful to our community members, to neutrals, to people just with human conscience, to Jews who don't like what's going on. I've gotten so many calls from that community. Yeah. Care held a, a press conference yesterday and the boy's paternal uncle spoke. Here's about a minute of what Yusuf Hanoun had to say. This crime walks up fear inside us. Me as a professional, as a teacher, you know, dealing with kids as my own, as my kids, make me scared. 
the phrases that they were told by the criminal scares me. He's talking about everybody, Palestinians, Arabs, Muslims, and nobody from the American media is talking about the positive side that we are presenting. It hurts me every day. I saw the articles in New York Times and the CNN talking about us and literally they saying that we are animals. I don't know which animals had a PhD degree in physics. We are not animals, we are humans. We want people to see us as humans, to feel us as humans, to deal with us as humans, because this is what we are. Ahmed, you know, on Friday, you were already booked to come on Reset. We, mm-hmm. we were actually going to talk about the rise in anti-Muslim hate speech right. since right. the war began, right? And then, of course, you know, look yeah. what happens over the weekend. But you, you've right. talked about this. You say there's a clear line between speech and actions. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm glad you played this clip because it really summarized um, it summarized it all. Uh, that was that was a perfect selection by you, Sasha. Um, you know, there there's speech that can express your point of view, and then there's speech that dehumanizes and erases and sets up individuals to be treated as subhuman, as invaluable. Their lives don't matter, and then nobody bats an eye if they die. Um, and then there's the action. There's the action of supporting what comes with that speech, supporting their death, supporting the military aggression against civilian populations. And I'm not here to debate the history or, you know, the militants and and, and the military. You know, we know who civilians are. We know what they look like. We know where they live. We know what neighborhoods they have. We know what hospitals look like. We're talking about 2,500 beds in Gaza in the entire hospital system and tens of thousands of people injured, bodies strewn on, on, on kitchen floors and bathrooms. And in the middle of this mess, in the middle of this um, hell, right, um, a, a bomb falls in the hospital and, and, and sort of levels it to the ground. I mean, that's what, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. In any other world, in Ukraine, okay, people will say, I stand with that. But here, we're hearing the opposite. I stand with what is happening. And we need to stop, roll back, and say, we need to bring back our humanity, our level thinking skills, all communities, and say we need to have a ceasefire, we need to work towards peace, and we need to wor- work towards understanding. That's not where we're at right now, and it does create an atmosphere of fear. As he mentioned, people are worried for their lives, they're worried for their loved ones, they're worried for their community. Ahmed, uh, you've touched on this but i mean let's let's get into specifics here president biden and governor pritzker they both publicly condemned the attack in plainfield uh, the two democrats have also voiced unequivocal support for israel's military response in fighting hamas uh, meanwhile some republicans in congress they're saying that israel should do anything it needs to do to destroy hamas with some of the more extreme voices saying civilian casualties should not be a deterrent I want to hear more about your response to what we're hearing from our politicians. It's really frustrating. I mean, you know, I appreciate their statements condemning what happened to Adia. I think that's an easy call to make. 
It doesn't take much moral courage to condemn the murder of a defenseless six-year-old child. But where we needed moral courage and clarity, it wasn't there. As you mentioned, there are other statements prior to that were in full support of the annihilation of a civilian population, essentially. And whatever mental gymnastics and political, you know, psychobabble anybody can engage in, there is no justification, as we've been told for decades, mm -hmm. for any targeting or any harm towards civilians. Of course, part of that mental gymnastics is, oh, that's not being targeted. These are just, you know, uh, casualties on the side that weren't intended or that, you know, Hamas puts these individuals as human shields and you get into all of that. But the fact of the matter is there is full knowledge and acceptance of the fact that those who are dropping the bombs will bring about the deaths of hundreds of thousands of civilians. And that's okay by them. That's okay by our government. That's okay by a large segment of our media. That's okay by a segment of our population, judging by the comments on mm -hmm. social media. And that's really scary because I, as a Muslim, I'm quite clear about my moral stance and my principle, even for a just cause, even for a just cause, which I believe the Palestinian cause is. These are an occupied people, they face oppression. They have a just cause. Even then, I cannot support any harm to Israeli civilians. When I condemn that, that's not a PR move. Mm -hmm. That's not a talking point. That is an expression of my genuinely held religious beliefs. So, so how, should, how should our public officials be addressing this situation, in your view? A single moral standard. They should come back to a level of neutrality, if not p political, but at least on the human side. Knock some sense into the actors, in this case, the state of Israel and what he's doing, and say, look, we need to protect civilians. We cannot allow for mass punishment, at least not in our name, at least not with our participation and our funding. We have certain standards. We have certain values. We expect our allies to live up to them. That's what a true friend does, and we claim to be a friend of that nation or that they're a friend of ours. And so to me, uh, we're in lockstep when it comes to these essentially war crimes. And there's just no mincing words about that. And people have to contend with what they stand with. Everybody who's saying I stand with Israel, I ask them, you're telling me, this is not my words, but you're telling me that you stand with war crimes. You stand with 2,250 civilians dead, 750 children killed and more mm -hmm. on the way. You stand with, with hospitals being bombed. I don't stand with Hamas. I've never claimed that. You won't find a single placard outside any mosque in my community that says I stand with Hamas. But you'll find many around synagogues and centers and lawns, I stand with Israel. Well, you should stand with justice. You should stand with peace, as should I. And we should stand with a single moral standard for the protection of human civilian life. And at the end of the day, it's always the weakest and the most innocent. There are the largest number of victims and the most intense victims of these you know war games by adults and it's the children let's go back to the press conference you held yesterday and hear from uh, representative abdel nasir rashid from illinois 21st district i know there's going to be people who say we condemn this heinous crime who'll say hate has no home here that's not enough that is not enough we need to understand and internalize that the killing of this six-year-old boy hits ho close to home. I have a six-year-old daughter who's also Palestinian. This killing of this boy, this attempted murder of his mom, was directly, directly connected 
to what's happening in Israel and Palestine as the world has cheered on Israel's impending genocide in Gaza. If we want to see these attacks stop here in Illinois, all over the country, I think we're all bracing for what could be happening, what could happen next. If we want to see this stop and see any semblance of justice, we have to call out not just this heinous crime and others that may occur, but call for ceasefire and de-escalation and peace and truly forge a path forward for peace in Israel and Palestine based on humanity and based on human rights. As we mentioned, Ahmed, the days before this stabbing, CARE reported an increase in hateful messages and calls that were directed at Muslims across the country since Hamas's mm-hmm. attack on uh, Israeli civilians. What are people describing when they call in to you? And I'm curious if the harassment is just directed at Palestinians or Arabs and, and Muslims of all nationalities. They're, they're directed at Muslims of all nationalities. And when we get a call that's a hate call at Care Chicago, and we've had a large number in recent days, um, they tend to be of the nature of shouting you know, anti-Muslim epithets, um, expressing gloating for the murder, for the, for the deaths of, of Palestinians, um, you know, insults to the prophet or to anything sacred within the faith of Islam. Mm-hmm. And when we get reports from community members about things happening to them, it is similarly, you know, people just yelling stuff at them in, in traffic or at a grocery shop, um, or sometimes even emails that are sort of passive aggressive or intimidating by superiors at their work, by teachers to students, by, you know, employers to employees. And apart from that, we've seen the same one-sided type of statement uh, be issued um, rather strangely, you know, for, for, for a hospital or a law firm or a private firm to issue to its um, employees a geopolitical opinion on, on what is happening and to single out, you know, one community for empathy and the other yeah. for erasure. We've seen a lot of that as well. And that definitely chills the, the, the atmosphere in the workplace because there is a power dynamic and those who are working for someone who are afraid to lose their job don't have that same you know, platform to be able to speak, talk back and express their opinion. So it's yeah. a one-sided opinion. We'll leave it there. I know, as I mentioned, there's a, a prayer service uh, coming up for Wadia Al-Fayumi that you're attending. We'll let you go. Ahmed Rahab is Executive Director of CARE Chicago. We appreciate you checking in. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you.